0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Petra Manos.
1: Uh, I'm going to say good morning, but it's not morning for anyone else. But hi, how are you going? Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, a different part of the world, isn't it?
1: (laughs) That's all right.
0: Um, We have Joel Schobert. Hey, everybody. Brooks Forsyth. Hi, everyone. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that is Scott... Heiser. Good afternoon. If you're a front-end developer looking for remote work, then I recommend G2i, a React and React Native-focused hiring platform that will connect you directly with their clients that need your skill set. What makes G2i a unique hiring experience is that they spend the time marketing you to their clients of your choice. G2i is a team of engineers that technically vets you up front. If you pass their vetting, their clients have agreed to skip their initial interview process, saving you time and energy getting your next gig. They take care of all the hard work for you so you can get focused on development. To join G2I, go to g2i.co and apply. And uh, yeah, Scott, we didn't plan it this way, but we've got you here to talk about healthcare hacks for for freelancers. And yeah, I don't know how much this has affected anyone else, but I work from home. And so I just kind of kept doing what I was doing except carpooling kids to school. I don't do that anymore. Yeah, no, not yep. much of a change. Yeah, yeah. I went, I went and bought toilet paper yesterday because the store had some. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, that will be the new currency. I know, right? Is toilet paper Yeah.
1: People are yeah. auctioning um, individual pieces of toilet paper off on eBay.
2: <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> I would do that just to be funny. <laughs> uh, oh, <geez. laughs> I still don't understand the uh, toilet paper craze,
3: but. Yeah, no, I don't get it the, either. The one I couldn't figure out either is it went into the store. And so there was a whole 30-foot section of Cub Foods, both both shelves gone. Like everybody of toilet paper wiped out, which, okay, I mean, they must think it's going to last a long time. But the one that surprised me is all the water was still there except for distilled water. It's like, do people think like distilled water is like the organic version of water? Like it's <laughs> extra good and has no virus? <laughs> good point. <laughs> Have you
0: tried to drink it? It tastes terrible. It yeah. tastes horrible. I know yeah no i I, figure it's
1: only for ironing and if they're stuck at home they're not going to be doing a lot of that
0: (laughs) there you go i just i just thought it was funny because people were buying out water bottles here and i'm going guys
3: if the water doesn't work
0: in your house we have bigger problems yeah
3: yeah exactly Yeah, my friend used to work at a water plant, and he said, "Oh, if there was any real risk of that getting shut down, they would quarantine those guys and make them stay there yep. and sleep overnight." He said, "No city is going to let the water supply no. get shut off." No, the military would get involved. Yeah, there would be major government responses to that.
0: Yep. Yeah, and it—I mean, the way they maintain pressure on the lines is pumps. So that's electricity. They're not going to let that go down either for very long. No. No. So yeah, I'm like I said, we, we have other problems if you if you're relying on your water water bottles but anyway so yeah um we're talking about one of the things that has been a major headache at least for me as a freelancer and that is health care right and just figuring out okay health insurance and paying for stuff and you know how to handle it um you know obamacare at least didn't help me you know not to wax politically one way or the other but it it turned out to really make it harder for me um And I haven't met too many other freelancers that it really worked out for. I don't know about people who work for companies or anything like that, but at least for
2: freelancers, it seemed to complicate things at best and make it much more expensive at worst. I wouldn't disagree. Um, Obamacare did cover, it was arguably, initially it covered another 20 million Americans. uh, And I believe it's about 80% of those were a Medicaid expansion. So. Uh The, the remaining portions of the majority were due through Medicaid. The rest were through through uh, healthcare.gov and the insurance industry. Uh, and the biggest benefit that came out of it or one of the biggest benefits is the removal of pre existing conditions so that if you were right. sick, you couldn't get insurance before. So now you can get it. But as far as
3: reducing prices, it did not do that. Right. Yeah. So I was actually on the good side of that. Um, I guess I, maybe it was too honest when I filled out my forms for insurance, but I filled out every possible <laughs> thing that had ever happened. And so before Obamacare, I had really expensive insurance, like we all probably do as freelancers, and my entire left arm, my backbone, and all things related to allergies were excluded for coverage.
2: Right, right. And now that's not. And then, then the second benefit of it is the rating, the way policies are rated. So in the past, you were probably... Uprated, even with the exclusions, and now there's three basic tiers for rating, um, and and so it eliminated a lot of that. So it kept for the called the heavy users, it, it stabilized costs for them and allowed them to get care, and that that was a positive. And I'll tell you, wherever it goes long term, um, that will stick. That that's that's been cooked into the formula and the secret sauce going forward, and no one's willing to take prex pre-existing conditions out and and put them as a, as a a issue anymore. So that's a positive Obamacare. Um, and, and I also say, I did not the book I wrote and the the website I have the ongoing business to support this is apolitical because my, my goal is to help people out today with what they're faced today with and not wax, uh, poetically and pontificate about my ideas that probably have you know one in a million chance of coming through. <laughs> I'd rather just help people say, and here's what we can do today. The hope long term is that I can empower people to become consumers of healthcare and we're not consumers of our healthcare. And if we actually consume healthcare, like we consume any other consumer good product we buy, we actually can affect cost and outcomes. Uh, and that's happening. you know, I bought a TV, a, a plasma TV X years ago, 15 years ago, and it was 10 times the cost and one third the size of what you can get now. And that's because consumers get involved and the market gets involved says uh, and, and dictates uh, what is a good value prop. We don't necessarily, we don't have that in our system today. And there's a whole myriad of reasons we won't get in today, but I, I cover that in a book, my book and books, healthcare is making me sick is the book and a little pun uh, on that title, but uh, it it is true.
0: Yeah. Before we get too far into this, I'm a little curious because Petra is not in the U S what, what does healthcare look like for you down in Australia?
1: Oh, we've got a completely different system compared to in the U S. So we've got Medicare, which is free healthcare. Um, Now with Medicare, it helps people with any major you know, hospital visits, surgeries, et cetera, they need. However, that one has waiting lists. Then obviously we've got our um, private insurance, which helps to pay for costs. But private insurance over here is a totally different cost proposition compared to in the US. It's quite reasonable for a, um, a normal household to be paying for their own private insurance. So um, it's really been priced domestically and we don't have our employers' cover that so it's quite normal for a freelancer here to just be paying their own private health insurance just like any employee would Um, and then in terms of visiting doctors etc it's really quite reasonably priced we do have a gap but it might be something like um, you know 30 to 50 dollars and a lot of services are actually bulk billed which means that we don't have a fee at all so um, and then you've got You've got health services that are more on the allied health side, which have um, like larger gap fees because they're not covered by Mm -hmm. private health insurance or Medicare. But really the costs here are quite reasonable. So um, we would tend to err on the side of having a lot more health visits to get a whole range of things done. And, um, sometimes (laughs) we have complete opposite trouble in that, um, our doctors expect us to come more frequently. And so sometimes a freelance career here can be intruded upon by having so many appointments, but certainly we don't have an issue with, um, not being able to access healthcare.
4: Interesting. Sounds like we should move. (laughs) (laughs) Look.
1: The 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 system is developing challenges as we have an older demographic. Certainly, because the more older people we have in our society, obviously the more pressure there is on the Medicare system. So, uh, when we do have things like elective surgeries, those are getting uh, deferred. So, if you have someone who's in pain, then um, you know, that can be a situation where sometimes they have to wait quite a while to get an elective surgery now. Um, but overall, I'd say that our, our system here is, is good. I don't know how it compares with other places in the world, Europe, that's, et cetera, but I'd so say overall, it's quite good.
2: That's a similar response to most uh, uh, universal healthcare plans provided by government. Catastrophically based um, uh, secondary systems paid by the individuals and then the the, <laughs> The bottom line, the point you had is that all of our populations across the world are getting older and there's a heavily skewed population towards the, the um, older population. And that's going to, you, you have from about 55, 60 to the end of your life, you'll spend close to 65% of your total medical costs in that period. So we're looking at increased medical costs across across the world guaranteed just by our population. Uh, so the, what, what's going to happen is it's going to get rationed one way or the other. And what you described is electives, you have longer waits as a case. And in the U.S. right now, what's happening is the rationing becomes affordability. And it's going to be one or the other. It's whether the government does it or not. Um, my hope is that the U.S. evolves into something that is a hybrid of the two. And we don't pick one or the other. We take the, take the best of both worlds. And that's where we move into. Uh, and now I am getting waxing about opinion about uh, <laughs> pol- pol- not politics, but healthcare. Um, we could have solved Obamacare. We, so we were solving for 10% of the population and we put a un, a, an entire system in place that affected everybody instead of solving for 10% of the population. And you could have just expanded Medicaid. We, 80% of the people went on Medicaid anyway. You could have just expanded that more and covered it, the people we had and had a much simpler solution. But we didn't. And so that's where we are. And so we need to keep evolving. So the idea is how do you how do you work with what we have to make it as effective for you as possible. And and the one thing that I've said to, I talked about becoming consumers and people aren't consumers, and they they are passive in the process, and they don't establish what their objective's in. So you, you don't think about it ever until you're sick, and then you go into the system and you're a passive participant, and you do whatever the system tells you. That's not a very effective way for you personally to get what you need. So we're big proponents about You're developing a health profile of who you are, just like any business situation you'd sit down with. You'd sit and decide, who am I? What are my goals? What do I need? What are the resources I have? What's my plan to develop that? People are jumping into the healthcare system not doing that. So you need to understand who you are, create a health profile, what's your family risk, what's your risk, what's your basic biometrics. And then you understand what you've had, what you are having as far as claims and healthcare costs and issues, and what you may have. You couple that with going to some of the transparency sites available and then understanding cost of those. And now you've got a full picture of who you are and what it might cost you. So now when you look at insurance or you look to pick a doctor or anything like that, you have your objectives established so that you ask the appropriate questions, look for the appropriate type policies. And although, albeit you may not cut the cost dramatically, what you buy will fit your needs. And that's just a critical part to start with that. And uh, in, in this day and age with the coronavirus and everything going along with that, it's even more imperative for you to understand who you are from a health wise and your family histories. But coronavirus, for example, do you ha- are you compromised? Do you have other Ill- illnesses to the people around you? Do your family members? Very critical to know that. So we've got
3: to become less passive and, and more participatory in this whole process. Scott, can I ask you a question about that first point that you just made? Sure, fire away. So let's say for myself in particular, let's say I wanted to do that first step you're talking about of get a profile of who I am. Are we talking about like, you know, blood profile of how my you know uh, current body chemistry is? Are we talking about like my ancestry? What, what would I be doing to get a profile of where I stand in terms of what risks I'll have and, and what my health really is? Yeah, great question. And it's,
2: the answer is yes to all your points. Um, one is you may or may not heard of health risk assessments that are out there if you have wellness programs and some hospitals offer them um, uh, for free, and then you can purchase some on your own. But it basically does base, uh, biometrics, so blood, blood pressure, uh, pulse, uh, weight, um, and blood blood tests are the biggest ones that are going to give a, a real inside look of where you are. Uh, and then you come back with a score of how you rate health-wise. Um, what's also critical is get your family history what things may happen in your family. So you ask your family and, you know, at least nuclear. And if you can go to the greater family, that would be better. Um, and then from there, you want to record what you've had, what you're having this year, cause that'll be a precursor of what you may have. And and now you've got a pretty good look of who you are. And the cool thing, I'm gonna hold it up, you know, we all got these, these days. If if you got an Apple and I'm not selling a brand cause Google have Google have it. So their, their uh, phones will have the same thing. Um, you go on there on their health situation, they have a health record. Silicon Valley is, besides themselves, wanting to get in, getting into one-sixth of the economy. So they're providing electronic devices to track this. So the one thing I failed to mention, I'm sorry, the other one is when you start figuring out who you were and what you had, most times you've been to hospitals, there's electronic records. You can download those and keep them. And in, in your, if you're using a phone or if you're in on your computer or, you know, it's not a bad thing to write them down either. And then once you have all that, you're gonna know. So then you start, Go, so yes, the answer is you need all of those and that's going to give you a good idea. Now, how you I've
1: actually it? had something else. Um, so fine. something that you haven't described there, but uh, I went to a doctor here who uh, suggested that I had a um, a genetic, it, it basically is a genetic profile and it's yes. available here. I'm, I'm sure it would be available there as well, but I don't know what kind of cost. And literally they they, they do a, a cheek swab and they literally find out my entire genetic profile in terms of what genes I've got um, in, in which places. I don't know exactly how it works. But then I get this really thorough report that tells me exactly what my risk is for heart disease, cancer, all these different things, what kind of diet I need to be on. Um, there were different modules that go into different areas depending on how um deep you need to go, but it tells me about my liver liver health, my energy levels, all sorts of things. And it was really fascinating actually because um, you know it's not necessarily good to know what things you're, you're likely to get when you're older, but it's good to know what things to prevent. And um, and, and the fact that at a, a younger age, I can look into preventative measures for things when I'm older is fantastic. But also it does give me an idea of, um, yeah, I guess where, where I need to focus. And when I'm talking to a doctor in the future, I already know that something could become a problem. So I found that to be incredibly useful and I would strongly recommend one.
0: Less Accounting provides a reliable, dedicated bookkeeper along with project manager to ensure that your business finances are crystal clear and up to date. How are your profits this month? How much are you making on the services or products sold? How much money is left over for yourself to invest back in your business? What's your debt situation like? Are your products selling? Do you have an emergency fund? Those kinds of questions are the things that Less Accounting software and team can answer anytime within minutes. You'll have a real human categorize your transactions. The software platform provides the ability to auto-import and auto-categorize transactions. You can create proposals and invoices in it. And they have 20-plus reports that you can use to figure out where you're at. So go check them out, lessaccounting.com.
2: Yeah, that's thats Start, of course, the U.S. can do that with the genetic testing. Whether that's being accepted by ins- the insurance plans that pay for it yet is—it's—it's it's building. One area specifically narrowed on that is pharmacogenetics. So whether they'll do the test to see the efficacy of the drugs you're taking, because it, much to the surprise of a lot of people, as they go to their, to their physician when they're prescribed a drug, it's not guaranteed that that drug is going to work for you. In a lot of different situations, of the 17 cancer drugs, new cancer drugs that came out, and I think it was 17 or 18. There was the the testing that came through with it is they were they were successful thirty percent of the time thirty percent of the time now that's great for uh, curing cancer for those people the thirty percent but each each episode of treatment was at least a hundred grand so seventy percent of the time we were spending hundred grand and getting nothing so if we can narrow it down and say this drug yeah has got a better chance of working than than we it's a better system um, so that would do the, the other side is uh, that you mentioned is once you know more about yourself you you can start to bend the curve potentially, especially depending on your age, but it's never too late to start everything. Here's a stat, 50% of the claims in the US are lifestyle based. So when we think we don't have control over this, 50% of the claims that we spend, we actually do have control over. So if you, your suggestion, if you had one of those tests and you then change your lifestyle and are proactive and take control and empower yourself, you might have a different, you will have a different outcome. Um, so that I definitely encourage those. those two, the, the, the other side that you'll talk to some physicians about the tests is that it causes undue worry on people that they can get too much information that they really can't do anything about, or that they're, they're not a hundred percent sure that it's going to come through. So there's an over concern a placed on, on it. So in the U S what you can do is you can get a full MRI body scan and look at everything. And if I had one done myself and I had a speck of calcium in, in an artery, and, you know, my world went <laughs> off the charts for about 36 hours until I talked to somebody and said, yeah, you're 50 years old. And you got a spec. That's really, really good <laughs> you, that you're not totally clogged. There's nothing to worry about. It's called age and then where you are. So it, it's a balance between the two. But it, if you're going to be proactive and take control, it's not a bad idea, especially when you know your lifestyle can change how your health outcomes are. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting just thinking about a lot of that stuff and a lot of those tests,
0: Um, How do you know, then, if you uh, have the right risk
2: factors to make it worth those tests? So back on the pharmacy, because that's the more predominant one that's working, and some insurance companies are picking those up now, is that's a discussion you have with your physician, is if you've been diagnosed with X uh, condition, and they're starting to go through uh, pharmacy or solutions for you, and one is pharmaceutical, there's different... In not all situations, but a lot of situations, are different options. So th- this is where you're just going to talk about the, the total efficacy of, of the treatment. How is it going to make me feel better? How long? What do I need to do? And what's the cost? Um, so you have that discussion with your, your pharmacist, your, your doctor, and you get involved with that and see if it makes sense to have that test
3: done.
2: They'll, they generally are the ones who have to prescribe it. You could go direct market and do it yourself. Um, but then there's a question. You usually need a referral from your doctor to have it paid for by the insurance. Some of those tests range from five hundred to thousand bucks, generally.
1: Here in Australia, it cost me around two
2: hundred. Okay, so you know, if it was five hundred, relatively similar cost. I'd say that that's a, an area that's going to continue to grow and expand as we move forward. Um, the other one, so as you, we haven't talked about how do you cover your risks. If you you walk through, and one question was, do I what do I need to build my profile? And you build your profile up, and you find out. I might have some claims. I might have some situations in the future. Can I handle that risk without having coverage or not? Or do I need coverage? So then you need to identify your costs that you're going to have and then go to the various markets that are out there. And the various markets right now is healthcare.gov primarily for individuals. And we're talking about the gig economy where, yeah, you don't have a corporation offering you guys benefits. So where do you go? You go to healthcare.gov and you figure out what's out there. So, but you wanna go there understanding what you may spend and based on that, look at appropriate plans, and whether you go, what needs you going to have, or you need a copay to pay for drugs. Is that going to help your cash flow situation, or you can take a larger, and pay and pay more premium probably, or not have that and pay less guaranteed monthly premium, and and uh, bear those costs as they come through up to a, a certain level. Uh, so, so armed with that information, you can make better decisions. There's also a number of secondary markets and and alternative ways to cover care that they're maybe worth investigating depending on your health situation. I kind of look and say, if you're, you know, you're healthy, you want, you want a catastrophic coverage. You don't, you don't want the, the low deductibles, low copays because you, you're probably not going to hit it. So they take a, a male 22 to 20, 28, 29 years old. Probability is you're not going to have a health care situation. You're going to be more involved with a motorcycle accident or something like that, which would be catastrophic. So you want to get catastrophic care, but that's it. Um, if, if you're someone that knows you've got a condition, then you're going to, and it's a significant cost every year, then you're going to know you want to be in and get the coverage. Uh, one caveat there, if you know you're going to have over $10,000, $20,000 of cost every single year, you may not want the deductibles and coinsurances to be low. You want to get to the 100% coverage as quickly as possible, and then it's 100% covered. So you want to do the math, and that, that's what it's all about when you do these things is you have to do the math. When people just buy them on emotion, they usually make the wrong decisions. And I've got example after example where people thought they were spending less or get more coverage out of out of their of the insurance policy, and that's so expensive in premium they end up net spending more than having a higher deduct uh, a catastrophic plan and paying less guaranteed premium.
1: Yeah, I had a question actually about whether there's any stats around uh, freelancers. If we come back to the freelancer topic. Look, I don't know the the uh, demographics in terms of income. That's the general spread. But a lot of recently starting freelancers would be earning less income than their employed counterparts, certainly, while they're trying to get insta- established.
3: Right. And
1: then how long it takes for them to reach back to their former income depends on how aggressive they are with their um, marketing and the you know their, their business efforts so when we're talking about freelancers are there any stats in terms of how many freelancers are actually taking out the additional coverage that's needed to cover their healthcare costs versus the ones that are just leaving it and um, what kind of impact that's happening uh, what kind of impact that's having on freelancers as a group
2: from a, I don't know from a industry standpoint where I'm freelancers, I can talk about the healthcare impact if you don't have coverage, obviously. But uh, you all, know, I would expect to have more feedback and, and, and conne- connection into those stats. Who doesn't have it or who does, and maybe even more anecdotally from your own experiences. When, uh, when coming off
4: full-time and going, in, at least in the United States, you have Cobra, um, which is what I'm taking right now. Um, Right, so continuation of benefits. Right,
2: so you're um, getting 18 months to 36 months on that to continue with your former employer's plan, right? Right, and, and it costs more. Is there ever, a?
4: I think I looked it up when I, before I took it, but is there, are there situations where it'd be cheaper just to go into
2: you know, healthcare.gov and you know, go right one, off? One, you, sh- you should check it. Um, yeah. More than likely, your employer's plan was, is a. what, what was the size of the employer you left? Huge. Yeah. So more than likely, they had a better price. Yeah. And and although you're paying more now, they probably paid 80% of the cost and your contribution was only 20%. Right. So it looks large to you, but if you go to the market, you you probably have a better deal. It's probably not, you know, an astronomically big difference, but you probably have a better deal. So I'm doing the same thing. I just left and uh, uh, my company started this company and the former company's costs were probably 150, 200 bucks less a month. So I took over, and I'll change that at the end of the 18 months. So that, that, that's kind of a no-brainer. If you're under 26, stay on your, your parents' plan. If you've got a plan, that's a no-brainer too. Uh, if you're a freelancer um, to do that. There's also programs and there's a Christian program and, and it's, I'll call it a religious programs out there. They're, Metashare is one of the names. There's a number of them out there. There's also uh, Judaism has it, Islam has it. Um, and they're more of a cost-sharing program amongst people that are on the program. Um, they do have pre-existing condition issues. Um, they do have tenants of lifestyle that you have to adhere to, to or they won't cover those claims. Uh, for example, some don't cover birth control because they don't believe in birth control. But um, overall, if you're looking at costs where you might spend for two people $12,000 a year for premiums, then you can get that for 300 or $400 a month or a month so. $4,000 a year. It's significant. It's, I'm not saying it's the answer, but there's alternative ways to look at that to say that may be worth looking at to do.
4: Yeah, but with no birth control covered, that two people might turn to three people or four people. So
2: <laughs> It could, especially with the lockdowns now. We'll see yeah. in nine months where we are. <laughs> but that could be the great uh, the economy boom in nine months with all the, the uh, yeah. young, young babies around.
4: Yeah, corona babies.
2: They'll be the next baby boomers. That yeah. they will. They're already coming up with names for it, yeah. The Corona, corona Boomers. The uh, so what are, what are the thoughts for, for um, gig
3: people? Yeah, just really navigating the whole system when you first leave full time and then you're faced with going and getting insurance just as an individual, you find that you're not on a pool and the prices are probably shockingly high even for catastrophic insurance. I know for me that was a, a big surprise. When I first did freelancing, my wife still worked full time. So that was easy, just stay under her insurance. and There was no question about that. And then when she quit working and started doing freelancing too, then, then you're just out on the open market. And that for me, was a bit of a shock. Are you finding that's just kind of just is what it is? Unfortunately, that, the mark, that is where the market is right
2: now. Uh, there are some, what they call private. I've, I've already given you the alternative, one alternative into mm-hmm. the Christian type programs that I think is worthy to look at. There's also, they call it private healthcare, non, non healthcare.gov, And that's really, that may be, depending on, again, you have to figure out your health profile and your risk profile, and then look at that. It's underwritten again, so there's pre-X in it. And it's kind of, to make it simple, have you heard of Aflac? Everybody's heard of Aflac. So, oh, yeah coverages programs and there's hospital indemnity programs, there's accident programs there's critical illness programs. They all take a segment of the healthcare equation and provide some insurance for it, lump sum payments, some, some more involved in that. Well, there's there's companies now that that couple those all together to make it look like a comprehensive package. I would advise heavily that you need to be aware it's not comprehensive, but it does provide payments and they do pay in, in the situations. So they might be worth looking at it if you think you're a low risk person. They won't. They won't be great for catastrophic, coverages. So again, it's understanding your profile, where you are, and then and looking at those. Those are. I, I will put one caveat on with the private health. They are advertised all over the place, and when you click on to put your name and number in, you will get inundated, absolutely inundated with. Uh, with people calling you, um, so doing a quick tutorial of understanding that up front would be helpful before you dive in, because um, uh, they'll they'll overwhelm you with that. But that is out there to do, and and that it is, that's significantly cheaper because they don't they're not catastrophic. Um, so the so the the three ways are going through healthcare.gov, uh, employers. I would also suggest and creatively is you guys are all freelancers, if you're all writers, whatever you are in the in the freelancing business, is group insurance is more flexible, has more options and can be a little bit more competitive is have people start to consider maybe you form alliances or LLCs where you're actually working together and you, you can't necessarily do it for the, price, for the purpose of insurance but if you're doing that and there's, there's some, some reasons to do that, you can then, if you have over two people, you can get group insurance plans and get out of the individual market. So that's something I'd suggest looking into. You'd have to talk to your accountants and attorneys, does that make sense? But if you you come together, um, you can do that. You can also, and then if you get in that situation, you can also start calling Chamber of commerce in your marketplaces and they'll offer um, group plans to up to, for down to two people, some of them will. So now you've got a whole, and the Chamber's gonna get a better plan than an individual. And and that when I say that is with healthcare.gov, uh, the programs offered will have more narrow networks for physicians and hospitals, where if you get into the commercial section of the health insurance, they, they offer broader opportunities. So that's something that I, I do think is worthy looking into is, it, you know, if it, it, it's almost like a quasi-association plan. There, was, there are abilities to do association plans now, so I would go to the association. Um, if you have associations or any association, can you join those associations? Do they have plans? Uh, and, and then research that as well. What if you hire your
4: spouse? Can you? Uh, Great question. Because two, two is the magic number. Yeah, two is the magic number. That's
2: what I'm thinking. So it, the, the price of a phone call is very, very low. It's, you're spending yeah. your own time and that's the cost. Uh, a lot of chambers cut back on that. Um, okay. what, I would do, what I would say, though, is if your spouse is an employee, that might be worth the argument in talking to him about. So if you're both doing the business, you're both in the business. Yeah. Uh, why yeah. not try it? it? It doesn't hurt to make the phone call. Yeah, and, and the one thing about the chambers too, if you're living, you know, pick a town. Uh, if you're in Milwaukee, you think, well, there's one chamber of commerce. No. Milwaukee will have the, the greater Milwaukee and then they'll have each little county or city around it will have chamber plans. And it takes almost nothing to, to join one. And that's, that's usually the, quali- the qualifier you have to join. And so there's, you know, 500, there's some fee that you have to pay a year to get in. But I, I would definitely look at those for additional help.
0: Have you thought about making a career transition into data analytics? You should check out Springboard's data analytics career track. It's similar to an online data analytics bootcamp with the difference that a career track follows a project-based learning methodology where students work on real life projects that employers are interested in. The program's is hundred percent online and each student is paired with a data analytics expert who provides unlimited one-on-one mentorship and support throughout the program via video conference calls. Springboard also offers job guarantees for all their career tracks. That means you don't have to pay for the program until you secure a new job in data analytics. Freelancer Show is exclusively offering a scholarship of $500 to interested applicants based in the US or Canada. Make sure to use the code DA Springboard when you enroll. There are only 20 scholarships available and scholarships are awarded on a first come first served basis. Check if you qualify by applying at devchat.tv/dac the application is free and it takes 10 minutes. That's devchat.tv slash DAC.
1: What about um, death and TPD insurance? Um, here in Australia, at least, they are compl- uh, considered to be completely separate as is actually ambulance insurance that's also separate. Um, but with the death and TPD uh, You know, I spoke to my accountant about this recently and he was saying that a lot of freelancers tend to defer setting up these kind of plans until they're more established just because they're trying to minimise cost. Um, Is that something that is a concern for other people on the panel?
2: So you're talking life insurance and disability insurance?
1: Yeah, that's right. So insurance that covers your income in the case that you do become critically ill or have an accident then you can't work now as a self-employed person we're in a situation where you know we may be completely dependent on our ability to do the same tasks as we're doing now Uh, I know certainly different insurance plans will say they will only cover you if you can't do the exact same tasks versus you can't do uh, a range of different tasks and Um, TPD insurance is something that look, being a young person myself, it hasn't been a a huge concern for me yet, but you never know when that's going to happen. So I'm interested to know how, how people are feeling affected by that, whether they've taken that out themselves and what the kind of costs are around that.
2: So general question, good question. Uh, General approach to again is, is, as we just talked about healthcare, do your healthcare profile, you've done that. You understand what your risk might be. to a financial profile. Where are you? If if you lose the weekly income, monthly income, you're going to have no nest egg. No nest egg. What, what's your risk to that? What's your family situation? And then your short-term disability. You're probably going to need more than anything else in the U.S. There's social security, there's long-term disability through social security, if, you, if it's a long-term situation. So I'd say your first thing is you should look at short-term disability. And in, in the U.S. it's called short-term disability. And if you want to cover that up, and, and usually they'll have a seven or 14-day waiting period before it kicks in, and then, then it'll pay, and it'll pay for 26, generally 26 weeks thereafter. Um, and then that'll line you up to get long-term disability through social security, uh, which is not necessarily easy to get, but it is there. Uh, for example, a lot of Social Security, when you submit it, you'll usually get turned down at least three to six times, and you just have to keep trying and applying. Um, but so, since there is a government supported program for long term, you'd want to look to short term first and see if you need to buy that again based on your own unique situations. I put so I'd look at if I was measuring it up, I'd look at health, short term disability, and life insurance would be the last if I've got fixed. Assets to uh, and disposable income to spend because depending on where you are and that's going to depend on your age too. Um, but if you were going to buy life insurance, you buy term insurance. It's it's relatively inexpensive to do, uh, and you can buy it for specific periods of time. You could buy it for five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. And obviously, if you're only buying it for, to cover you for ten years, it's less expensive. So you could you can get some coverage with that in uh, a very economical manner. But I'd put that third on the list of what I would do if I was is trying to cover myself as I was just starting out. I don't know if that did help answer your question.
1: Yeah, well I I'm mainly interested actually um to hear to hear from some of our panelists around what where they where they prioritise? I guess because w- when you are freelancing, you do have a lot of expenses, and certainly when my accountant tells me what's priorities and what are are not priorities, then I'll take his advice on that. But also, I've got to make sure that I protect my family too. And it's interesting to know what kind of advice people have been given on these different insurances and. Um, yeah how how everyone's we um, choosing to make those decisions
4: yeah my in my situation it's on my list of things to do is to get term life insurance that's been on my list for about a year now but um it's it's there uh and I haven't really thought about short term disability much. maybe that is something that I should think about um, but yeah i I haven't dealt with it yet it's it's on the to do list, but that's a long list and
2: It always seems to get pushed off, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't have disability
2: insurance of any kind either. Most people don't. So what you want to to think about, life insurance because it's advertised all over the place. Everybody sees it. Um, But but short term, you got to think about if I go down, somebody has to take care of me if I'm down usually with a disability. So usually you take two people down with you. Uh, And then what happens to the financial situation? So it actually is more impactful for a disability than a death. Uh, and that's why people don't think about it, but they should. And and, uh, and then you got to look at it. And of course it's not, it's, it's an added cost. Um, so it all really depends about your unique situation. Do you have a family uh, and and who's depending on you? Mortgages? Yeah, it's
1: definitely on my list of things because I've got a mortgage, um, you know, and, and my mortgage is going to take years and years and years to pay off. And if I was to become disabled, then lumping my partner with that would, would obviously be a real pain. So, um, but it, it is just another, another cost for a, a new freelancer. So it's one of those things where, um, you know, trying to find a way to balance the costs against the benefits is really important. Making sure that, you know, we shop around, et cetera.
3: Yeah. For me uh, we looked at life insurance and ours is a situation where For our first, like maybe 10 years out of school, we were both engineers, so making good money, paid off our house kind of early, probably not in 10 years, but not too much longer. We're kind of ahead in the curve and decided that we'd rather just keep the money in the bank than have life insurance. We were in a situation where there'd probably be enough money for either one of us to survive to be okay. So we made that decision at a fairly young age. The short-term disability, I had that through employers where we worked full-time, so that was just available there. Then by the time I went freelancing, I'd had enough life history that I kind of knew like, where my risks were and weren't. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm very physically active and tended to have, like I don't know if minor is the right word, but sports injuries. For example, I was a bicycle racer for maybe about, about a decade. And so I broke quite a few wrists. Um, I broke three wrists. I have two. So (laughs) if that gives you any idea. Anyways, so for that, it's like, oh, well, one wrist is down. Am I going to be partially disabled? Do I get some money for this? That whole thing of imagining the insurance not really wanting to pay anything because of qualifying how disabled I'd be in that kind of situation. And, you know, it's a broken wrist at six weeks and some rehab and that sort of thing. So that after watching kind of the pattern, you know, my 20s and 30s of where I felt my risks were. I also decided, against short-term disability. Now, what that leaves for a gap, though, is like getting hit by a car or something you wouldn't even predict, where it'd be like a really, really serious disability that's not gonna go away in six weeks. And for whatever reason, I looked at that and just decided that the risks were acceptable to me.
2: And There's nothing
3: that fits your needs.
2: And the big one is your your point is that if someone gets hit by a car, if you are incapacitated and you're not earning any money, so it's one risk you can still work or what, you know whatever the situation is. Where are you in, in, in making that that uh, decision for each unique situation? I was on that life insurance back kind of ties back into the medical because I talk about alternative ways to fund healthcare, and people won't think about life insurance. If you buy life insurance, even a term policy, and, and someday down the road you get sick, you can sell. The life policy. You won't get a lot of money for it, but you can even sell with viaticals or, or life settlement programs. People will buy that. won't get a lot of money, but it's, it, it's an asset that no one thinks about. The other one is, is there's, and I'm, we're going to get too technical into these policies, but uh, there's accelerated death benefits that if you do get ill, you can get the money, the, the face value or the amount. If you bought $100,000 insurance, you might be able to get $50,000 back before you die to pay for medical expenses. So that, that's an interesting point to do with it. And, if, and this is all if you have disposable income to do this. The other one would be um, on permanent policies where you build up cash values. You can use that, for, for, you can take loans against that for whatever needs you have down the road. So if you have medical expenses, you could use that to help offset medical expenses. So it's, and, and what's interesting about life insurance is if you're doing it on the permanent basis, where you have cash value build up, that's on a tax deferred basis. So that, that's another way to be a little bit creative in how you're using your money. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that's a first um, uh, round that you look at, but there's there's reasons to consider it longer term uh, if if you've got established and you want to look at other ways to uh, save money for healthcare and, and have uh, protect your family. Nice. Well, um, we're kind of getting toward the end of the
0: time that I have because I have another podcast coming up. Um, so I'm going to push us toward our picks. But before we do that, Uh, Where do people get your book? And are there any kind of last uh, things you want to summarize up for people?
2: Uh, One is the book is Healthcare is Making Me Sick. It's on Amazon. Or you can get it on our our, uh, website at uncoveredhc.com. And the, the, the one I want to leave with people with is that people should get more involved and become consumers of their healthcare and understand what their needs are and make their objectives heard. Uh, so that their choices of either a health insurance program or a doctor or a pre- procedure is fully vetted by themselves and meets their specific needs. Uh, otherwise, you're you're part of a pawn in the process. So, and I think truly, if we start doing that, we didn't get into how to negotiate with providers, and how to reduce costs. Uh, this was more of a front end front end loaded discussion of how do you get it. But if we can do that and Help reduce costs that benefits not only you at that point in time, but society in general, where we might be able to manage this in a more effective way. So, I appreciate your time with you guys today and enjoyed it. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks.
3: Uh, Joel, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure. So, uh, kind of in the spirit of keeping healthy and all this, my pick is related to health. Um, Back when I was taking jujitsu, there was a couple of guys that were just uh, about one or two weight classes smaller than me, maybe about 155, and they were really strong. And I heard them talking and getting given advice to each other. And one of them said, this book, your body is your barbell. You can do weight, just body weight exercise. You don't need to go to the gym and you can get incredibly strong. So I picked that up and it turned out to be fantastic. So I've got a link for that here. And what, the, what he does in this book is he goes through like eight different body weight exercises and he has like 50 levels of incrementally making them like a little harder, a little easier. So you'll basically never get too strong to be able to where you won't be challenged by this. And for me, I did a lot of travel for quite a few years when I was in uh, doing software for healthcare. And then as an independent consultant, I don't always wanna have to spend the time to go to a gym. So this book has worked out phenomenally for me.
0: Yeah, that sounds so, awesome. Yeah, you can take it anywhere, right? Anywhere you wanna go. Yeah. Uh, Petra, do you have some picks for us?
1: Yeah. So I found a really interesting article this week, actually on um, SEMrush it's called the ultimate guide to Google's custom intent audiences. Now I'm a bit of a um, data nerd and do Google advertising. So I found this really fascinating. It was all about how to actually use. um, So there's, in Google, there's something called a custom intent audience. And what it lets you do is you can actually um, find an audience of people based on what they've been searching for or alternatively, what other websites they've been to. And you can get right down to the page level and you can actually target your competitors. So it's really fascinating. Um, um, SEMrush have created quite a long article about how to use custom intent audiences and I really enjoyed it. So I've shared a link to that. And if you're you're interested in Google Ads, I've also shared a link to um, a blog post that I wrote called How to Track Profits from Your Google Ads Campaign. And the reason that I've shared that is I think it's really important as self-employed people not to just focus on how many clicks you got or how much traffic you got, but how much actual profit it made you and make sure that everything that you do is profitable. So um, I've shared an article that hopefully you find useful that tells you how to actually determine whether the uh, campaigns you ran were profitable or not, how you can actually bring um, revenue income into that.
0: Nice. I like the idea of tracking the results that matter, right? Yeah, that's um, right. Um,
1: it's, it's so important. You don't want to just measure uh, like kind of peripheral effects. You need to really tie finances in with expenses if you want something to be working for you long, time, long term. Otherwise, you could end up uh, just pushing money into a channel that's not working for you when you could have been investing in something else.
0: Yep. Makes sense. Uh, Brooks, do you have some picks for us?
4: Yeah. So this afternoon, I made a quick uh, application. Um, it's about washing your hands. And uh, it's uh, basically a timer for 20 seconds, but it doesn't tell you you know how much longer you have left so you uh click start uh when you start washing your hands and then stop and see if you actually wash them for 20 seconds um which is really long actually when you uh really have a so, something keeping you honest um so yeah i just made this quick little app about it it's at washyourhandschallenge.com nice
0: um i'm going to throw in a few pics here i've been listening to a book lately and here, let me pull it up on my phone. Um, it is, uh, expert secrets. I don't know if I picked this before cause I've been listening to it for a few weeks, but really enjoyed that. Um, and then also on audible, um, with my subscription, I got a half marathon training and I'm really liking that as well. It's uh, by move with, um, and it was just, a free thing that I could just grab. So, um, started running again. I actually have a, a bandage on my foot cause I went running yesterday. And then after I went running, um, walking around on it hurt. So I don't know if I injured my ankle or something, but yeah. Um, ran a marathon last year and I really loved it. So I want to get back into it. But so anyway, um, I'll put links to both of those in the
2: show notes. Scott, do you have some things you want to shout out about? Just kind of consumed with the uh, coronavirus these days and getting responses to people and trying to be uh, focused on whether it's the hand washing or the, the procedures you need to take to uh, make everybody safe. And uh, so kind of shout out to the world to focus on the greater good instead of the, each, each of us as individuals, um, something that we are very good at and we need to think of the greater goal these days. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank you for coming and talking to us. My pleasure. Glad to, glad to be here and hopefully uh, some of this helps with, with uh, your guys' journey. All right. Well, until next time, Max out, everybody. Thanks. Have a good day.
0: Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit dot com to learn more.